Good morning, everybody. Thank you for being here today. We know this is an extremely confusing Sunday because we've gone to double services and the clocks have gone forward as well. So if you're, if you're a little bit mixed up this morning, that's okay. We don't mind. All right. I was going to say it's okay to sleep through the sermon this morning, but it's not. Okay, so we're so glad you're here. It's, it's the first of our double services. We believe in God is going to grow the church both bigger and stronger over these coming months. And so we want to create the space for that to happen. And so this is the first of our two services. In between the two services today, they're serving tea and coffee around in the youth hall. Uh, obviously, we would encourage you, if you would like to stay, to go around and get uh, tea and coffee, then chat and have fellowship with one another, so we then can get set up for uh, the second service, for everybody coming in onto uh, the second service. Um, just a couple of announcements. Uh, obviously, we have an exciting night tonight. It is the baptism service. We have 10 people getting baptised uh, this evening. So we are expecting church to be full. We are seating people everywhere. Uh, so it, but doors will open at 6 o'clock. Uh, so if you will get as close to six as you can so you can come and uh, see the baptism service uh, this evening there'll be a supper afterwards tomorrow uh, one o'clock is the refresh lunch club uh, for, uh, you're all invited if you are free uh, it's homemade soup tomorrow and we always have a great time together a time of worship where we come around the world and we always get a great lunch so that's on tomorrow Tuesday night is the living word bible study at half past seven uh, for those wanting to go deeper into the word then listen come along to our Tuesday evenings you can see upon here some of the stuff that goes on in church we're getting more banners made for some more of the stuff that's going on in church so we can fill out uh, the church just to let people know what's going on so we, that's our notices uh, for uh, today the prayer ministry is available as usual after church uh, the the service this morning let's just pray father we come before you today we thank you for time of worship thank you as we've come around your table and remembered what you have done for us through your son jesus christ father we thank you for what you're doing in our church we thank you that there are 10 people tonight publicly testifying to your saving power in their lives father as they get baptized father we just thank you for what you're doing in our church how you're moving father we come around your word today ask your word would speak to our hearts as it encourages us and it challenges us and it teaches us father you have something for us every time we gather so we ask that your spirit would move through your word we say thank you for this in jesus name amen we are working our way through the gospel of matthew uh, which we started way back in september uh, and we've just we've come to chapter eight and chapter eight is a chapter of miracles and uh, over the past few weeks we've been looking at some of the the miracles that jesus did how he healed the leper how he healed the centurion servant uh, we also looked at the call of discipleship as two people came to jesus a, a teacher and a disciple of, of what it meant to follow him and stuff and we come to another part of it now which is the storm the storms of life we call it and and it's Matthew 8 and 23 to 27 and those words will come before us in a second but throughout the Bible there are many references to uh, physical storms that God provides protection 
for his people. Uh, the storms of life are symbolic of the trials and the troubles that we face in life and each of us will have experienced that the trials the difficulties the challenges that come our way in life and there's a spiritual symbolic of this that as we will see in this story in the previous chapter as Jesus finished speaking on the Sermon on the Mount he's already encouraged us to be like the wise man who built his house upon the rock <coughs> excuse me the reason being that when the storm came it would stand strong so storms were to be expected uh, storms teach us lessons calm waters never can and in this passage of Matthew Jesus encounters a storm with his disciples I don't know if you've ever uh, been in an incredibly bad storm I don't know if you've ever taken the times the ferry over to Scotland I remember last year when we went over to Edinburgh and it was a particularly rough sailing it was one of those where the front of the boat went up and then came crashing down again and stuff and one of those where you thought to yourself I thought why am I on this now most of you know I don't like flying though we'll fly boats don't bother me the boat can go as high up in the air and come crashing down again and it will not put me off my breakfast. It's none of those uh, things. I don't mind that. If you get caught in a storm, other people are obviously uh, feeling the effects of that as, uh, as the storm comes. And, and you know, often when we get caught in storms, it says we, 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 that, that can be unexpected sometimes. We come unprepared. Uh, and here in this story this is what's happened in this story it's unexpected and Jesus uh, comes and it, it says to us in Matthew 8 verse 23 27 just four verses then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat but Jesus was sleeping the disciples went and woke him saying Lord save us we're going to drown he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. As I've already said in this chapter, it says that it reports the miracles that Jesus did. And over 8, 9 and 10, those chapters, we see that Jesus does 10 miracles. And we can really span them, we can really put them into three areas. The first one is this, is Jesus' ability to heal the body, which was a miracle. And we saw that as he healed the leper, as he healed the centurion servant, that Jesus had that healing authority over the body to, to perform a miracle. The second thing that we see is Jesus' authority over the spirit realm. There's a story coming after this where two demon-possessed men come to Jesus and Jesus sets them free to prove the authority that he has over the spiritual realm. And we're going to be looking at this in one of our pastor's Bible studies. And then the third one that we said that we saw was this was Jesus' power over creation where here we see Jesus stands up and he rebukes the winds and the waves and he tells them to be still. Now just to give some context of the story, that they're on the Sea of Galilee, it's well known for its sudden violent storms. The severity of this storm was evident in these three facts. The first one was this, it was unexpected. 
They, they, had, had they known it was going to happen, they would have never have taken the journey. So it was one of those storms. And, and, and looking up a couple of, uh, some information about this, this could happen quite regularly here. That down through the mountains, cold wind, wind would blow and it would set off. Uh, the waves, the storms would come. And so they would come quite unexpected. And in the physical, that can be like us with the storms of life as well. That the unexpected phone call, the unexpected letter, the unexpected happens to us in life. But then it tells us as well, the boat was covered with water. Now, if you're in a storm and the boat is just splashing up the side and stuff like that, listen, you, you could sort of live with that. But the problem was here, the water was starting to get into the boat. And if the water gets into the boat, then that's a huge problem because that's going to sink the boat. Eventually, the weight of the water is going to sink the boat. The third thing that we see is, is there were experienced fishermen who were terrified and thought they were going to die. At least four of the disciples were fishermen. And so we look at that and say that actually this must have been bad for those who actually were experienced of being on the lake, looked and said, actually, you know, this is actually worse than I've come to expect. This, this is worse than I've ever been out on this. And in the midst of this storm, uh, Jesus was sleeping. Reminded of the old Sunday school song, I'm not going to sing for you. With Jesus on the boat, we can smile at the storm. He says, some of you remember that, don't you? Yes, uh, the older, I said, now it's all the older ones who nod when I do that now. But yes, and you sing that. He says, with Jesus in the boat, we can smile at the storm. I don't think there was much smiling going on here. I think the writer of that song has taken some liberty here. I think actually they were scared for their life, you know? Others were scared for their life because they said, save us, well, we're going to die. They knew that this was maybe the time that they're going to die. But Jesus is sleeping. He's doing that for two reasons. The first deep theological reason, he was tired. That was it. He was tired. He was sleeping because he had prayed for many people. He had preached to many people. He had healed many people. And Jesus' humanity was just simply after doing all of that, he just needed a rest. You know, maybe he was one of those people, I am blessed with a great gift. I can sleep anywhere. See, if I just sit down somewhere, the eyes closed, I can't sleep anywhere. My wife would tell you I can be snoring like a dog after five minutes, easily. And says, and, and here in this situation, says Jesus is just sleeping. He's taken the opportunity in the few hours that it takes to get a, uh, across the lake just to sleep. But his sleeping can, simply conveys this, almost a contrast with uh, the disciples as the storm raged. But Jesus here is at peace. The disciples were panicking, uh, but he was asleep. Always thinking, I think it's in the book of Mark, where there's, this story is in Mark and Luke as well. Uh, they asked Jesus this great question, and it's not here in Matthew, but it's a great question. When they wake him and say, teacher, do you not care? I mean, wow. Asking Jesus who was coming to save the whole of humanity, who was, this was his mission, simply saying to him as he's sleeping, he says, teacher, do you not care? And you see, Jesus wakes up. And the first thing he does, he, he, he rebukes their fear and unbelief. Now, you say, well, why do you say that? Well, let's think about this. If you fall asleep and somebody wakes you up 
and it's not your time to get up, what's your attitude like? What's your mood like? How do you respond to somebody who wakes you up when you don't need to be woken up? Are you Christian about it? <laughs> do you show the nine fruits of the Spirit as you are awoken and say, thank you for waking me early? It says, I appreciate that. I can now get up and pray. It says, do you say that? Be honest because you're in church. It says, but Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't rebuke him for, for waking. He rebukes their, their fear. And he rebukes their, their unbelief. And they think, well, why is he doing that? He says, well, the first thing is this, is they actually had many reasons to, to have faith, to have even great faith. They'd been on a journey with Jesus even in these last few chapters where they'd heard the Sermon on the Mount and they'd heard his great teaching. But coming down off the mountain, they had experienced the miracles that Jesus did to prove the, who, who, he, who he was. That who he was saying he was, he was. As he healed people, as he did other things, he said, they had experienced that great faith that there was something special about this man, Jesus. And so actually they're fearful because they're going across the lake believing that they're going to die. But Jesus rebukes their fear. And how often as somebody, and I've said this, we, we often stop doing things or we, we, we don't do things because we take our counsel from our fears. You know, our fear is what stops us doing something or our fear is what stops us saying something. But Jesus, he sort of rebukes their fear for this reason. He says, I am with you. I am in the boat with you. Not with Jesus in the boat, we can smile at the storm. It's with Jesus in the boat. He is with us. Do we believe that the story of God's son is going to end with them all drowning halfway across a lake as they've just begun the preaching and teaching ministry of Jesus? No. They had just seen Jesus do significant miracles, showing great power and authority. They had seen that example of great faith with the centurion who trusted Jesus to, 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 to heal his servant. They'd seen the healing of the leper. They'd seen all the other ones that had been healed in the middle of the chapter. They had Jesus with them in the boat. They saw Jesus asleep and his peace should have given them peace. Matthew uses this term little faith four times in the gospel it's always used in reference to someone who is missing the big picture underdeveloped faith or insufficient faith he doesn't get up and rebuke them and say you don't have any faith he gets up and he says you have little faith he's teaching them to expand their faith because Jesus is with them because their faith is underdeveloped it's fairly insufficient for what's going on you know, earlier on in Matthew 6, Jesus has already said this. We said, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And that's what he's saying to the people who are listening, that God's provision provides everything that, that you need. Uh, that We read the story there in Matthew 6 of seeking first the kingdom of God. But Jesus is using the example. He says, look around you. Look at the colours of the world. Look at everything that there is. And, and how if God clothes all of that and takes care of all of that, how will he not take care of you? And he throws that in, oh, you of little faith. So they've already heard that statement already from Jesus. In Matthew 14, 
verse 31. It says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? As Jesus walks on the water and he calls Peter to him and Peter steps out of the boat and, and Peter sinks and often Peter gets a hard time sometimes because it's like he didn't keep his eyes on Jesus and he didn't have enough faith. I tell you I admire Peter because he was the only one who got out of the boat. He was the only one who got out of the boat. Though he didn't keep his eyes on Jesus and he expressed this here, he says you have little faith. You have insufficient faith. You that faith not enough. And, and Jesus is using these to help us, to teach us that, that we've got to have the faith to believe in his power and in his presence and in his promises. You see, the final one we see in Matthew 16, verse 8, it says, Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Immediately after Jesus has done another miracle, the religious teachers and the Pharisees are sitting and they're turning around and they're speaking to each other and Jesus challenges them. He says, you don't have enough faith. It's insufficient faith. It's not a faith that meets the need of what God is going to do. And as I read this, I thought to myself, how much is that as a challenge for my life? You know, and I thought this very appropriate for what we're doing at the moment as we come to do church, as we come to do the double services and we take this step of faith. Have we the sufficient faith to believe that God is going to do something to, to fill our church twice on a Sunday morning? Not for us just to come and say, oh, well, you know, we'll try it and we'll see what happens and we can always go back to what we were doing before. That's not faith. We're, we're covering ourselves. We've got a plan B, we're a safety net there. I tell you what we've got to do here is get to the point of no return with our faith. That's what real faith is, that's what sufficient faith is, which is the point of no return, which is the point to say where we are this morning with the double services is that so many people are coming to the double services, it's impossible to go back to one service. I think that's what the sort of faith that we need to have as a church. The sort of faith I want to have, the sort of faith that I'm saying, look God, this is what we want you to do, to bring the people in, not just to say, well, if we do this and it doesn't work, we can always, and you'll notice this morning, you've got a bit more leg room this morning because of space, and we can do all of this and, and, and go back. We don't want to go back. We want to see people saved said with the serving teams last night, uh, you know, just a word that God had given just simply about the fruit as we flourish in doing what we're doing, to bear fruit and let the fruit that we bear be the, the fruit of the salvation of souls, the salvation of people, because this has got to be what church is about, isn't it? To have the faith to believe that, that we're once again at the beginning of another journey, that once again we're at the beginning of something that God is going to do in our church as we bring everybody together. See, Jesus comes here as we go back to the story and he rebukes the wind and the waves and some commentators will say that they thought it may have been a spiritual attack and stuff and, and I understand that that could have been possible and stuff but Jesus is demonstrating who he is. He's the son of God and he rebukes, he gives it a rebuff in a sense to say be still, to muzzle, stop. And in the span of a few moments, the disciples saw both the complete humanity of Jesus, both in his sleep, 
but then in the fullness of his deity. Because I would imagine this suddenly in a moment, their great fear moved to a great faith as Jesus stood up and says, be still. And picture the scene as the waves and the wind stopped. Suddenly, the fear is gone. What do they say? Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Isn't that amazing? Who is this man? What a great question to ask of Jesus. It's what people to ask that question. Who is this man, Jesus? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They saw Jesus for who he is, truly man and truly God. Psalm 89 verse 9 says, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up. You still them. A fulfillment of a promise from the Old Testament. To be there in that moment when the disciples suddenly think, we're going to die, Lord, save us. And suddenly Jesus rebukes it and says, be still. And suddenly, it wouldn't be something that just calmed over time. Or let's just check the waves, they're coming down, the water levels. Well, it would have been in an instant. Jesus does that in an instant. How do we relate that to our lives sometimes? Well, you know, I like a quote. And sometimes when we face storms, a couple of things that we need to understand. The first one is this, sometimes God calms the storm. Sometimes he lets the storm rage and calms his child. Which means... Sometimes when we're facing the trouble and the challenges and the difficulties of life, God does not always deliver us out of them. But sometimes he does keep us calm in the storm. Sometimes what he does is he calms the storm around us. But more often than not, he keeps us calm. Why? Because even when we follow Jesus, faithfully, unexpected storms will come. Even when we follow Jesus, faithfully, unexpected storms will come. There is no guarantee that the storms will not happen. There is no guarantee just because we attend church, because we pray, because we read our Bible, because we're faithful that those unexpected storms will not come in our life. Following Jesus is not immunity from the storms of life, but a great storm can become a great calm in a moment with Jesus. I think the disciples get a hard time here sometimes uh, because these disciples had left their careers and they left the family and they left what they're known to follow Jesus. And they're suddenly almost pictured, and, and, and Stevie said it this morning at the, about the parting of the sea, you know, that they accused Moses, did you bring us all the way out here in the desert so that we would die? You could almost, the disciples, uh, almost have the same question to Jesus on the boat when the storm is raging, simply saying, did you bring us out to follow you uh, across this lake so we could die in this storm? No, he didn't. But you could see, so they're, 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 in a sense, they get a wee bit of a hard time. But the reality is that Jesus is trying to help them and teach them because he's more concerned about their faith in the storm rather than the storm going on. Storms are inevitable. Storms will happen in our life. Jesus is looking at us and saying, how do you react in the middle of the storm? Where is your faith in the middle of the storm? When something unexpected happens, do you just crumble and say, this is me, I'm going to die, much like the disciples say, that my faith is dead because I'm in the middle of a storm? Or, or do we look and trust Jesus and say, you know what? 
It says, first thing, we can trust in his promises as we see this story. One, his presence is with them. And that's a most important thing in a storm that he is with us. His promises there as well because he hasn't finished what he's been sent to do. He was definitely getting to the other side because he was on his way to the cross. And we see that here, both his presence and his promise. See, we get into trouble sometimes because... We panic, don't we, when trials and difficulties come our way. We assume that they cannot be the will of God. I don't know if you've ever had a near-death experience in a storm. When I was younger, much younger, 30 years ago, I said, I used to teach outdoor pursuits. It's hard to believe rock climbing and abseiling and canoeing and what you call Canadian canoeing. And Canadian canoeing is where the two of you in a boat, you know, the da, 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 Hawaii Five-O, that one. Yes, you've got it. That one, doing that. And we'd gone out onto a lake uh, uh, over in Northamptonshire in England and beautiful calm day. It says nothing to it. It says there was two of us in one boat, two of us in another boat, and we were just going out. And suddenly in the middle of this lake, an unexpected storm came from nowhere. When I mean nowhere, I still to this day have no idea. It was calm and in a split second it just whatever happened. And you couldn't row through it. You couldn't do anything. The only thing I could do was simply, and we all did, it was hold on to the sides of the boat. Because this storm suddenly blew up these waves on this lake. And probably for the only time in my life, unless I was flying, I thought I was going to die. And it was before I got saved as well, so that was scary enough. And I remember thinking always as I read this story about the unexpected storms. But it relates to where we are in life sometimes, that these unexpected storms come. But you know what the interesting thing was about the storm that we were in? It came and it went. It was it just... After a few minutes, we're held on, and suddenly the sun came through the clouds. And to this day, I don't know where it was. One of those twilight zone moments, you know, that just unexplained, unexpected. We don't have that as believers. We know that there will be storms that come. But what we learn from this story is when we have Jesus, the storm may come, but the storm goes as well. The storm leaves us as well because Jesus is with us. Why? Because we move our faith. We move to our faith from our fear. Because we know that God has great power. We know that God is watching over us. And we know that God is with us. So we hold on to those three truths because that's what we do in a storm. As I held on to the side of the boat that day, I realized here in this story they could have held on to that. The presence and the promise and the power of God. And I realise that this final thought, because uh, we're, we're nearly finished, is this, that spiritual maturity has grown in the garden of trouble with water from the storms of life. Spiritual maturity has grown in the garden of trouble with water from the storms of life. That's how we grow. That's how the disciples grow. Because when the wind and the waves were calm, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I don't know who Jesus is to every person in here today, but I do know this. In the middle of the storm, he can be your peace. 
In the middle of the storm, he can be your promise. In the middle of the storm, he can be your presence. And in the middle of the storm, he can be your power as well. That's what Jesus does in the storms of life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning as we read your word. Help us, Lord, as a church, not to be people of a little faith. But Father, help us, Lord, to be a people of great faith, trusting in you. Father, we know, even as we've read in the story of the physical storm that blew up across the lake, Lord, that each and every one of us in here will have faced storms, will be facing storms. And Father, we just come and pray for each and every head bowed this morning. We pray, Father God, if it's your presence that people need, Father, we pray that, Father, over their situation. If it's your promises that people need to hold on to, we pray for them this morning, Father God. If it's your power, Lord, to deliver them out of the storm, Father, we pray for that as well. Father, if it's your peace, whether it brings a storm to a calm or whether you bring your children to a calm, we just pray for peace for those that need it this morning. Father, you have something for each and every person gathered here today. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.